Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. For this episode, I'll have 10 takeaways through three weeks, a few thoughts on week four, and the top 10 for our waiver wire rankings. And we'll start there. You can find our complete waiver wire rankings this week and every week on wolfsports.com. Number one, Brian Edwards. He faced a stingy Miami secondary in week three, but he made multiple tough catches to finish with 89 yards, and eventually the upside will increase when the schedule lightens up. Edwards will continue to be mentioned in our waiver wire article until he's rostered in all leagues. Number two, Cordero Patterson. Patterson made the top 10 ahead of week three, but that clearly wasn't high enough, and the veteran should be viewed as a strong flex option in half PPR leagues and full PPR formats. Over the past two games, Patterson has caught 11 of 14 targets for 140 yards and a touchdown. Number three, Chuba Hubbard. It sounds like Christian McCaffrey will only miss a couple of weeks, but especially for running back needy teams, he could be moved up to the top spot. The rookie should at least be a solid RB2 for as long as he's a lead back in Carolina. And Royce Freeman is also a decent option in deeper leagues. Number four, Derek Carr. He stayed hot in week three with 386 yards, and he's now torched three good secondaries to start the season. Upcoming matchups against the Chargers, Bears, and Broncos look difficult, but Carr is at least a high-end QB2 the rest of the way. Number five, Emmanuel Sanders. A big game had been bubbling for the veteran, and it happened against Washington with five receptions, 94 yards, and two scores. The role in a high-powered offense with at least six targets in all three games makes him worth rostering in all formats if available. Number six, Nelson Aguilar. He's been quiet in back-to-back weeks, but New England's offense will eventually figure it out, and the trap receiver should thrive against Tampa Bay's man coverage on Sunday night. Continue to view him as an upside flex. Number seven, Josh Gordon. I know this might be high for some people, I've seen analysts say he's not worth rostering. He won't be a fantasy factor for the Chiefs, but he really couldn't have asked for a better spot than catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, and he'll be the number two or number three wide receiver in that offense. Number eight, Ronald Jones. Things are looking murky right now, but the talent is still there, and it might take just one big run for him to reemerge. Last year, Jones totaled 978 rushing yards and averaged 5.1 yards per carry. Number nine, Latavius Murray. Baltimore did not run close to enough on Sunday, but Murray still had the most carries on the team with seven, so it looks like he's closing the gap on Tyson Williams as the number one back. Just keep in mind that week four might be a slugfest against Denver, but Murray should be a rest-of-season flex. Number 10, Kirk Cousins. A belief that Minnesota will try to get back to playing defense and running the ball has only been half true, so Cousins has been forced into shootouts so far. Through three games, the former Pro Bowl quarterback is averaging 306 passing yards with eight touchdowns and zero interceptions. As I said in the first episode, I'm going to throw in some dynasty content at times. And I mentioned him last week with Denzel Mims. Again, he's worth the target in dynasty leagues. And with KJ Hamler done for the year in Denver, Seth Williams is worth a look too. Now, this will be the main part of this episode. Just some general takeaways through three weeks. I think after three weeks, three or four weeks is usually when we have a really good idea about things. So for the struggling fantasy teams out there, this will hopefully help you turn things around. And remember, with many leagues switching to a 14-week schedule... There's still plenty of time to make a move up the standings if you sit at 1-2 and two or 0-3. Oh First, Mike Williams is at least a high-end wide receiver 2 the rest of the season. Talent has never been a question for him. We had him ranked as the wide receiver 24 in our draft rankings compared to the wide receiver 42 by the consensus. Through three games, Williams has 22 receptions, 295 yards, and four touchdowns. He should be in lineups every week. Number two, Justin Fields doesn't need to be rostered in redraft leagues, and this can extend to most of the rookie quarterbacks. Unfortunately, Fields is in a tough spot. The Twitter personalities have been pumping him up, and he's honestly not ready. And Chicago did him no favors by limiting the designed runs, so he's more of a dynasty stash for now. We had him ranked as a QB 29, 
in our draft rankings. Don't be surprised if Nick Foles takes over a Chicago starter starting this week against the Lions. Number three, hope for James Robinson and Mike Kosicki. Two different players, two different positions, but both trending up after week three. For Robinson, he handled 23 touches, and for his career, he's caught 61 of 75 targets. Hopefully, Jacksonville continues to feed him on Thursday night. For Gasicki, he made multiple tough catches against the Raiders, and similar to Mike Williams, talent has never been in question with him. He should soon have better luck finding the end zone. Number four, A.J. Brown is a top buy-low candidate. He's a superstar talent, and Brown started slow in both 2019 and 2020 before becoming a difference maker down the stretch. If he's available in your league, I'd recommend targeting him. Number five, Trey Sermon is a definite hold. If Elijah Mitchell is cleared to play in week four, I suspect he might be the starter, but it's a tricky injury, and I'm betting on Sermon to win out in the long run. As Chris Collinsworth pointed out on Sunday night, he made a subtle move on his touchdown run, and the talent is easy to see. The situation reminds me somewhat of Jonathan Taylor last year, where you could see the flashes, and it's just a matter of getting the opportunity. Number six, acquire Sony Michelle before it's too late. Stepping in for the injured Daryl Henderson, Michelle looked excellent as a runner, and he also made clutch blitz pickups against the Bucks. It looks like we'll see more of a split between the two, and Michelle's performance could give the Rams reason to rest Henderson for another week. Number seven, Henry Ruggs' arrow is pointing straight up. He made multiple highlight catches in week three, and Ruggs has always had the toughness and natural ball skills to be a star. The overall development under John Gruden should lead to him being a high upside flex the rest of the season. Number eight, the Chiefs will stay committed to Clyde Edwards-Elair. The former LSU standout honestly hasn't looked great in the season, but that changed last week, and even after a lost fumble, Kansas City went right back to him. He appeared more decisive and ran more determined, and while there's a tough game against the Eagles coming up, you have to be encouraged about him long-term. Number nine, Kyle Pitts might not be a year-one stud. There's no reason to be low on the talent or long-term outlook, but he hasn't been a priority in the red zone so far, and touchdowns were supposed to be one of the main reasons to believe he can beat history as a high-end tight end one as a rookie. I think you have to hold or buy low, but probably not a top-five option the rest of the season with Hawkinson and Gronkowski behind the big three. Number 10, Tom Brady will finish as a top-three fantasy quarterback. He's a QB one through three games, and he just had 28.68 fantasy points on the road against the Rams without Antonio Brown. Just as he was with our draft rankings, I'd say Brady is right with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes as high-end QB1 options. Okay, now for some general thoughts on week four and some rankings. You can find our complete rankings every Tuesday on wolfsports.com. First, Joe Mixon is the RB3 for week four. Cincinnati's lead back has totaled 73 touches through three games, and he's in a blowout spot against the Jaguars, who we destroyed last season. Consider him a high-end RB1 for Thursday night football. I also like DJ Shark as a high upside wide receiver too on Thursday night. James Washington had some deep ball opportunities missed by Big Ben against the Bengals, so we'll see if Trevor Lawrence can connect with Shark. For another top five running back, Jonathan Taylor is in a blow-up spot versus a Miami defense that just allowed 142 yards and a score on 26 touches to Peyton Barber. The Colts have unfortunately quickly become a team not to trust, but Taylor has done his part with over six yards per carry in week three and I guess have a hard time believing Andy won't find a way to get him the ball. At wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. is trending towards wide receiver two territory, and for this week, the Vikings have allowed a few big games to opposing wideouts already. I was high on him coming into the season, and it's good to see him healthy. Finishing up, Antonio Brown needs to be back in lineups against the Patriots on Sunday night, and I also like Johnny Smith for New England. For Smith in particular, the aggressiveness of Tampa Bay's linebackers could lead to some play action opportunities, and the Pats need to get him the ball in space. I'll give him one more shot as a tight end one option for week four. Okay, that wraps up this episode. I'm admittedly short on time this week, but I feel like we hit what we needed to, and you can find all our content at wolfsports.com. Also, you can listen to our general NFL podcast, The Wolf Sports Show, for more NFL content. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. <laughs>